My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And welcome to Real Lich Hours, Episode 2. The name is not a pun. (laughs) And this week, uh, we are continuing going into Baldur's Gate 3. We're going to interrupt some tomb robbers who are, uh, you know, getting in the way of us doing some robbing ourselves. And we're going to level up. Going to gather our party. Yeah, on the the Let's Play segment. Uh, We're going to visit the player's handbook and talk about fighters. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to uh, talk about them bony boys, hit up the skeletons in our fiend folio section. Skeleton crew. Uh, we're hitting our first dungeon. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to learn a little bit about the dank crypt uh, by reading all the books we find on the floor in mm-hmm. the legends and lore segment. Yeah. Uh, and then talk about uh, party composition in sage advice. Yeah. And then finally, uh, find familiar with a scared boar. The animals <laughs> get much more interesting as the game goes on. Uh, and then we have a uh, one comment that I'd like to read in the forum section at the end. Nice. Yeah. And before we get started, we would like to thank um, uh, our... Jaden Dale, uh, our uh, artist, uh, and yeah. Gwen, our producer, yeah, who composed the theme you. song as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. So let's uh, uh, let's jump into it. Uh, yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to address here, Hasbro just laid off a ton of people uh, <laughs> in the Wizards of the Coast, including a lot of the people who worked on Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, well, the people who, yeah, the consultants. Yeah, consultants, yeah. Okay. Uh, so just want to underline something we said in the first two episodes. This is not us co-signing anything Wizards I, or Hasbro does. Fuck I'm going to get that tattooed. I, I, uh, <laughs> if, they're, if they make an audio tattoo, like a, like a QR code, I can have people who listen scan. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it happens. It's one of those things that happens so rarely, but when it happens, it's absolutely mm-hmm. maddening when someone's like, Oh, so you support this. And like, I just want to talk about this fucking video game. And then this entire universe of things that thousands and thousands of people were responsible for, mm-hmm. you know, those consultants being crumbums, the company that employed those consultants being crumbums, the consultants yes. were great. Yeah. Uh, is not something I'm willing to erase the 2000 people who worked on this. Right. Uh, in order to punish. Yeah. Um, so Baldur's Gate uh, three is a monumental achievement and I love the forgotten realms. So here yeah. we go. Yeah. And from lots of people, not yes. just the, uh, the, the bean counters at, uh, Wizards of the coast. I always said the bean flickers, at Wizards <laughs> of the coast, which is a fun accountant. God, God bless them. <laughs> yeah. That, that is, that is a great accountant. Um, so, uh, and w- one thing I'd like to get away from doing in this is too many recaps. You know, mm-hmm. uh, follow along with us like Let's Play. So you know what we did last time. Yeah. Um, we're starting this one, the Let's Play segment, um, washing up on the ruins of the beach, uh, with the ruins of the Nautiloid. Yeah. Um, this looks great. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just look really, really cool. Really, really uh, well-realized destruction mm-hmm. here. Um, and we are going to look around, and we're going to look around specifically in the Nautiloid. But we want to gather a couple of allies on the beach first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right around where we land. So when we say, like, this looks really cool, the Nautiloid is gigantic, right? You yes. know, this is like a, it's an Illithid Star Destroyer that happens to be biological, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, it is d- d- draped across the mountains here. And it's, it really messed up a bunch of people's days, particularly by crushing them. We got some fishermen who have just been pasted. We're just hanging out there. One guy's just reading a love letter and just kabam. Mm-hmm. This guy says, fuck you, like uh, Mary Elizabeth Fowler Hodges, the only person <laughs> in history to be struck by a meteorite. Um, the uh, fuck that lady in particular, said God. Um, the uh, When I go and look at uh, the people uh, here, I get my first dark urge option. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we talked about our characters, um, you had kind of come up with a backstory for your character. Um, with the dark urge, there's not one. You're an mm-hmm. amnesiac, uh, which okay. is why I didn't do that. Um, but this is... Uh, Real Joker shit. Uh, you look at the corpse and it's like, you decide whether you're going to smile. You have to suppress it and then you suppress it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you have some vague memories of like knives and flensing and shit. Mm. Uh, I am assured the Dark Urge stuff gets more interesting later. Okay, cool. Uh, right now good. it is exceedingly Joker built. Is, is, it a, is it a check to resist it or is it, it not? It's not now. And actually an interesting thing happens with it later, which we'll okay. talk about. Cool. Um, uh, so we landed. We have kind of a gentle landing. Our lives have been our lives have been preserved in a way that is weird. Uh, yes. And we have landed right next to Shadowheart, uh, regardless of whether we rescued her in her pod or not. Uh, we did. Yes. So uh, it's pretty much well. We're in a similar situation, so we got to stick together. 
uh, is kind of the uh, the tack that we take. Uh, yeah. But uh, to wake you know to wake her up, we can decide whether or not we want to look at the strange little uh, pointy d twenty she has. I decide yes. to leave it alone because that's her property. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, I tried to take it, uh, but it doesn't matter. She wakes up mm-hmm. and she doesn't notice it. Uh, one of the things I love about Baldur's Gate three is that people are not psychic. Mm-hmm. In it. Um, in another video game, she'd automatically know, but she was passed out. Yeah. Uh, you know, she didn't realize it. And the last thing she remembers is me saving her. Yeah. So this gets me uh, a shadow heart approves this mm-hmm. uh, message. And we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is common in video games, but it's the first time it's come up here. And it's a big, important part of a party based RPG like this. Um, you, the approval meter uh, in this game, it's a classic RPG thing where you do certain things and characters uh, either approve or disapprove of it. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you. Uh, you know, in a classic uh, telltale style thing, you know, Shadowheart approves of this. Astarion yes. disapproves. Uh, th- a couple, you know, key differences um, for this. Uh, for the most part, this ties just into romance stuff mm-hmm. and conversation options. It's flavor. Um, it doesn't. Uh, and it's almost always, almost always, not entirely like story choice stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not perfect. Like I've been on other shows. I've been very critical about relationship systems and games. I stand by that. Um, but it is slightly better, I think, than like the Fallout 4 one mm-hmm. where you have a character who's just like, I like it when you're lockpicking. <laughs> like, that, that is cool. <laughs> you know, that that is just, that's sick. Please keep up with that. Um, this is at least tends to be moral choice stuff or yeah. posture stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to learn a little bit about Shadowheart's posture just even in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, finding her is worth experience as well. Yes, and yeah. right around here is roughly where you're going to be leveling up. Yes. Uh, and we're going to talk about our level ups here as we shape our characters. Yeah. Uh, second level is, uh, you know, one of the things 5e does is you get a lot of cool choices at levels for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, second level is before you choose your your cool subclass. But for now, uh, as a sorcerer, I get meta magic feats. Um, the way this works in this game is I get, uh, we'll do a sorcerer class spotlight at some point. Um, but you get a resource, you get these, uh, sorcery points, these meta magic mm-hmm. points that you can spend. Uh, I take one called twin spell, uh, which allows me to choose two targets for a spell if they're close. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of dual ta- cast and then careful spell, which means I can do an AOE and not have it affect my party. Yeah. Um, yeah. Important if you're going to be doing any kind of uh, any kind of damage spells because those become uh, you know default AOEs pretty quick. Uh, it's and, worth noting too that with yeah. uh, kind of my flexible background and stuff, I am I've never I haven't played a sorcerer in this mm-hmm. or in five e, so I am trying this. All of this stuff might get respect. We'll talk about that when that happens. But if you're following along, uh, this is my at least my choice for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for my level up as a ranger. Um, I pick my spells. Rangers get mm-hmm. to cast some druid spells. Uh, so I do uh, speak with animals and the enhanced stride. The long strider? Yeah, yeah. I think that's to, great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, just because, because the um, because the ranger is so much about positioning, right? If you're doing yes. anything with archery, which is my next choice here, you get to pick your fighting style, whether you want to uh, be a duelist or a dual wielder or archery. Um, so I chose archery for mine because that is uh, that is the concept. I want to yeah. lean into that Larian kind of battlefield manipulation stuff. Yeah, it's like we've switched archetypes mm-hmm. for this. Um, the uh, Speak with Animals, which my character started with, uh, and then in Longstrider, um, are ritual spells. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way those work is they don't use a spell slot if you cast them out of combat. Right. So it kind of becomes part of like a rote routine when you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. to cast those spells. There should probably be a way to streamline that, you know, and bundle those together. Yeah. But as is, it's very convenient. Yes. Um, you don't have to just constantly be casting speak with animals. You just cast it after you rest. Yeah. I may respect later and swap out that speak for animals because eventually you end up coming across potions for those, you know, oh, yeah. so your companions can get abilities like any of the speak with stuff, speak with dead, speak with, uh, or even like detect thoughts, uh, yeah. that eventually becomes something that you might not want to waste one of your limited spell slots on. Uh, yes. but for right now I want to be able to talk with them, uh, with them, good boys and good girls. Yes. Uh, we find a letter on the beach with a, uh, a fucked this guy in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, um, which is uh, pretty fun in terms of just flavor. Yeah. Uh, for this, um, it's a love letter. It's yeah. perfumed, uh, dressed aside, and it says, uh, I love you. There, I said it. And if you meet me tomorrow, I'll say it again and again and keep saying it until the day we're old and gray. So let's do it. Let's go to Baldur's Gate. I know it's risky, <laughs> but so is staying here. The last few months have been hard, but they're always a little easier when you're there. 
Leave your boat and meet me at the hill overlooking the old bridge. Bring whatever you can carry. We'll make do without the rust. Don't be late. Love, Anna. Heartbreaking. Uh, Anna's going to be waiting forever. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't paid attention to see if you can find Anna. Uh, uh, I, I got to go look for Anna on this I, thing. I didn't wasn't paying a close enough read the first time I played. Lots of hills and lots of bridges. Only um, a couple bridges. Yeah. There's like two bridges. Like, I feel like we can find a hill overlooking a bridge. Uh-huh. So I'm going I'm to keep an eye out for Anna and see if we can complete the story. The important thing this is communicating to the player is where we're at. Um, yes. All we know is we, we crashed on Faerun. Uh, now we know we're near enough to Baldur's Gate to walk to. Right. Uh, we're going to yeah. find out by talking to somebody later that uh, were circumstances a little bit different, we would be in the wilderness about a 10 days walk um, yes. from the city. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and also we're going to learn we're between, uh, we're between Baldur's Gate and, uh, and a rival city that we're going to talk about when we get yes. into the Grove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a door here on this overgrown door and door in this overgrown ruins, just kind of mm-hmm. to the North of the landing zone, um, past all of the dead fishermen, yeah. um, with this door that is a difficult lock pick. Yeah. Uh, you can lock pick uh, it. You don't really want to, uh, but you can <laughs> This is how I got into these, into these ruins, uh, on my first, you know, follow your nose playthrough, mm-hmm. um, is it, I just saw this door. It was locked. I, I had not gone around to the North until well into act, well into act one, uh, pretty much. So I just, I, I took a star in here and I picked this, picked this lock and got in and did the encounter we're going to talk about today backwards, oh, uh, gotcha. which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's multiple ways to approach it mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, we can go check out the nautiloid, uh, which makes sense. To yeah. go do that, there might be supplies there. And we want to have somebody with us um, here to do this because any, uh, you know, we talked about turn economy in the last episode. Splitting aggro is really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is more than twice as effective to have two targets for the enemy. Right. Um, yeah. Mostly there's just some intellect devourers in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, kind of on the, on the outskirts of it. Yeah. Uh, too tiny uh, to have a, a deadly terminal velocity. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep, yep. Yeah. You also find a dying mind flayer here. Uh, yeah. He's reaching out to you and he is compelling you like, hey, you know, I you have what I need. Just get a little bit closer. Let me embrace you. Uh, yeah. and you have to pass wisdom checks uh, to, uh, to 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 avoid this. Uh, I resist and I stomp his head in. Uh, Relatively both, easy uh, wisdom yeah. checks. Yes. Um, and th- this is what I did as well. I either it, put a note in the last episode or I missed it when making notes, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, uh, this is a non-standard game over uh, yep. if you fail it, but they're pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and we're going to run yeah. into our second companion of the episode. Yeah, we here. are. Uh, we hear somebody yelling for help, uh, from yes. a, uh, from a portal in a rock nearby. Yes. Um, if you, uh, walk up to it as the dark urge, um, you see the arm and you hear like, help, help. I'm a wiener. And you, uh, <laughs> I get to, you choose the choice, you make the choice of fantasizing um, about ripping off his arm. Okay. And then when you wake up from your fantasy, your daydream, you have done it uh, as the Dark Urge. Uh, oh, this that's, is, that's horrible. You know, uh, fulfilled my dream since my first playthrough uh-huh. uh, of this game of permanently getting rid of Gale. Um, people in my party are like, what the fuck? Uh, but it doesn't actually affect my relationships. Okay. Um, I like that about the relationship system in this as well. Like there are things that are uh, statistically and things are just kind of preferences, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. like I don't, I don't think less of you, Cole, if you're going to spend all day watching Dragon Ball Z, but I don't have to like it. <laughs> um, and I, I get the arm in my inventory. Uh, I'm really curious if that does anything. Okay. Uh, but the, the important thing I'm taking from this is that as the dark urge, I go into these fugue states. I have to be careful about what I fantasize because it's like sleepwalking. Oh. I can wake up from a daydream and have done something horrible. Huh. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a little scary. Yeah. yeah. It's a little dark. It's a little twisted. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, 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 uh, the Faerun's jokester, uh, is I what you joking. are. Yeah. 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 Um, I pull him out. It's a strength check. I, I think, yeah, my, my guy had enough strength to do it, uh, for mm-hmm. a, a number of these checks. If you fail them, you can just rotate to a different party member and give it a shot. Yes. Um, uh, not every check, but there are many that you can attempt multiple times. A little uh, bit of a compromise from tabletop, I believe, because you can't help right. uh, things in this. That would be annoying to mm-hmm. implement in a video game. Uh, so this feels like a compromise to me. Yeah. Uh, but this is Gale. Um, he is a wizard and he's pretty dorky, uh, pretty uh, you know, theatrical, not like Volo theatrical. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, speaks in grandiose statements and all of that. He's kind of, kind of fancies himself as being kind of a, you know, kind of, kind of a smooth. The Wizard talker. of Waterdeep. 
Yes. Yes. Wizard of Waterdeep. Um, the, and yeah. we, we get the, we get the tinge. This has happened a couple of times, uh, already, but you know, the, 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 you feel something pull inside of you and you can feel. So he is somebody else who was on the Nautiloid and has been infected like you. Yes. Yeah. You have a connection with these people and it's, it's the game's way of signaling to you important plot people and companions early on. Right. Um, Gail is somebody who I'm not taking with on this playthrough. I fucked around with him a little bit on my playthrough. Mm -hmm. We'll do character close-ups at some point. Yes. Um, and talk about character, uh, stories, but the, uh, the main thing myself, and I think the reason why disliking Gail is a little bit of a meme, even though he's not as bad and I exaggerate it for comedy, <laughs> uh, is because in the early, uh, parameters of this before it got patched, when everyone was so aggressively horny, he was just a guy who uh, assumed you liked him basically no matter what. Oh, like, yeah. you know, you, you could just be, you know, he was like, hey, let's hang out. And I'm like, cool, you seem nice. And then uh, when I pursued another romance, he called me over to be like, what the hell? We were in a committed relationship. <laughs> and it just felt awful. And I'm like, fuck this guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. So um, I'll be curious to see how he develops. And I, I do need to do a playthrough at some point with him so I can see his, his story stuff. Yeah. I'm taking him as part of my party here, uh, primarily because of my previous playthrough didn't, you know, I was a sorcerer mm -hmm. in that. So had an arcane magic caster. Um, uh, and also, uh, I would like to see his story a bit because what I've seen of him is actually cool and interesting. Oh, to um, 100%. Like the, the circumstances he's in, uh -huh. I, I just, he's a fuck boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the, uh, one of my favorite things about him is the, uh, base level and instant repulsion. Some people get, um, my friend Levi, who I play tabletop games with was like, uh -huh. have you met him yet? I took one look and said, fucking nope. <laughs> and just from looking at him, <laughs> like it, wasn't, it was like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Um, yeah, very funny to me. I can't wait to see what kind of adventures his arm gets into. <laughs> That arm is going to see a lot of favor. Maybe the rest of him will grow off of oh, that. Oh, no. Yeah. I should take pictures of it like those gnome pictures mm. and send them around. Like Gail's arm having adventures in the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine your arm going to the Underdark? <laughs> Wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he'll talk about the process of seromorphosis. We talked about this in the uh, in the uh, previous episode. Yeah, talked about yeah. the illithids and the process of turning into one. And he gives you several uh, several opportunities to uh, stop him uh, from mm -hmm. describing the horrible process. But uh, it is to be avoided. He yes. says, <laughs> yeah. uh, "It's it sounds like it." Yeah. Um, we find near here. Uh, we find a shovel. Uh, introducing a thing directly ported over from Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. um, being able to find treasure mounds. Yeah. Um, just chest with with treasures slightly more interactive than just finding them on the ground. Yeah. And slightly harder to get. I call them survival treats because uh, you yeah. pass a survival check to notice that the dirt has been disturbed. Um, yeah. uh, I'm going to get my third uh, companion. You're going to get your fourth here. Uh, if you, you know, decide user from rescuing uh, Lazelle. Um, she has been strung up by these tieflings and is in a cage suspended over a canyon. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can talk to the tieflings. Uh, I am, you know, I start make a role-playing choice here to be that my character is not always going to choose the bloodthirstiest option, even if he's going to do bloodthirsty things. Mm -hmm. Like I, I want to be capable of trickery because trickery is fun. Yeah. Um, so I convince them to shoot her down. Uh, but mm -hmm. then she says, you better join me. And I'm like, hell yeah. And then <laughs> we kill the, the tieflings and yeah, and yeah. we're going to meet a lot of tieflings here. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is my first exposure to tactician difficulty. Um, and it's hard. Uh, I get hit hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of my characters almost goes down. Uh, I don't almost lose the encounter, but I almost have a character go down just because it is difficult. Yeah. Um, and these are the first two like actual adventure NPCs that you fight. Yes. Uh, I forget exactly what classes they are, but they are deploying spells and tactics and stuff on you. Um, also, depending on what direction you come at them from, that can mm -hmm. be difficult. Uh, like, you know, Lazelle is kind of over this small little valley. Um, and if you approach her directly, they will have high ground on you, uh, and plink you down. Yes. Uh, but you can sneak up behind them and they do not like that one bit. No, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, sucks to be them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I killed them in my first playthrough and, uh, that, that didn't necessarily jive with my character, but it was, I wanted to rescue Lazelle and it was forced into a conflict. It didn't, uh, it never has come back to bite. 
you know, nice. when you eat the other tieflings. Um, I pass a deception check in this one, uh, convincing them uh, that Lazelle is too dangerous and they should mm-hmm. let me deal deal with her. Um, and we learn about their camp, saying like, hey, well, we better go back to camp and ask, hey, do you have a healer? This is where we learn about one of the possible ways uh, to attempt to remove the tadpole, a healer at this druid grove. We learn about yes. this. And then when we talk to Lazelle, she talks to us about uh, there is a Githyanki Kreesh. Yes. Uh, yeah. nearby where you can be purified. Yeah. Um, the shooting down this arrow trap is really clever game design mm-hmm. uh, because you can convince them to do it. Um, so it's telling you that that's possible. And then the next encounter outside the dungeon we're going to do that has an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, what this is doing is teaching you about an MSIM element of the world yeah. and showing you how it can be used. Yeah. Uh, if there are ropes, you can shoot them. If you shoot them, stuff will fall. Right. Um, I kind of go out of my way before I do this to find Asterion because I, mm-hmm. I like having a complete party as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. that is a, a weird Gary role-playing game thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he puts it out on Front Street. Uh, he, uh, he, You go up to him and grab him, but he tries to grab you and slit your throat. Uh, you have options. You can slit his throat back, which I didn't do. I just rolled away. And yeah. he respects it. Um, yeah. And there's a little bit um, – if you don't see the big vampire fangs – <laughs> uh, the other little hint is he talks about, he's like, I guess the, I suppose there's benefit to traveling with the herd, um, you know, referring to uh, people as the herd. Right. Right. There. Also, he's got these, uh, hideous, two hideous bite wounds on his neck. He does uh, have big as, bite wounds on his neck. Yeah. yeah. Also but he's out skin. during the day. So it's yeah. a, you know, a little bit plausibly yeah. deniable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. incredibly pale skin and red eyes, but okay. Yeah. Um, and an aristocratic accent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he sounds more like Stewie Griffin to me. I can't. I know it. you say that on, on Twitter. I don't. I don't see it. I think he he sounds more like. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound like yeah. Stewie Griffin to me. Um, there's there's uh, probably a little bit of Stewie DNA in there. Yeah, uh, but this is the elf that's so horny and made the news. Yeah, uh, you CNN. know. Yeah, you can He's, buy a pair of sweatpants just with his face on it, like <laughs> on Amazon, not just on you know, a nerd store. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, he's kind of a uh, uh, d- d- combination, not deliciously evil, but decadently evil, decadently but also evil very petty. Yeah. yeah, petty, evil, uh, and one of my favorite archetypes of evil, which mm-hmm. is bored. Yeah. Um, he is do- uh, exhibiting a style of play, which I really like at the table, which is playing your character like a stolen car. Mm-hmm. Um, he just wants to do the thing that is interesting. It's it's big Will style. Will plays uh, my friend Will, who's also mm-hmm. uh, does stuff and do everything to guppy with him, uh, plays characters like that and enjoys that perspective mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to spending more time with Asterion. Yeah, uh, maybe sucking his dick. I don't know. We'll find <laughs> out. Um, I, I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna play out. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. We'll as see how we the as, cookie crumbles. We'll yeah, see how the as, dice rolls as we assemble our. <laughs> If I roll 11 or above, then yes. Uh, <laughs> As we assemble our polycule. <laughs> yes, our rolling polycule through the uh, planes. It's great doing this, and then we're doing Darkest Dungeon 2 uh, uh-huh. soon on the show, because that can also become a big doomed rolling polycule. Um, the, uh, so uh, we go with, now that I have my complete party, uh, I we go down to that dungeon, and we see Gimbalbach there. And Gimbalbach <laughs> is like a stock gnome name it's like that fucking that horrible little gnome from neverwinter nights 2 or something <laughs> um, yeah. but these are one of the things i love is you, when you run to other adventurers mm-hmm. um, this is a tomb raiding party yeah uh, they're trying to break into this tomb that we saw the entrance to downstairs yeah uh, they're standing under a big weight over a rope trying to figure out how to get into it and because of that tutorial before and because i know about the imsimness of this from playing divinity originals in two mm-hmm. i know i can shoot the rope and kill two of them instantly yeah. Uh, and claim the tomb to rob. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, I love saying like, hey, you know, don't we're not here to, you know, do, you know, to harm you or anything. Hey, like tombs are. So is the wreck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, get, uh, get the fuck away from my shit. I, I spent I, I spent no. so much time in my first playthrough after uh, after knocking down that that weight, uh, mm-hmm. looking for where it landed beneath. As far mm. as I can tell, you can't like it, it's, it's it's not a, down. It's there. in a room. No, it is. is it? Okay. Yeah, it's it's in the room with the uh, like all the bookshelves, the little side room. Mm, okay. um, because you can you can go down that hole as well. Mm. Uh, you can jump down there. That's another entrance. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I persuaded Gim- Gimbalbach and his crew to flee, saying like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you've got no idea what kind of nightmares are headed their way here. Are headed here." So at least the outside part of the party uh, got them to leave. Uh, so cool. avoided a fight there. 
yeah, introducing, um, you know, reactivity. Yes. You know, and stuff, uh, ways, because this will impact the encounter. Um, the way that I get in is go up to the main door and you bluff, you know, the doorkeeper. You can tell him that, hey, Gimbalbach sent me, uh, <laughs> basically, uh, and fight him on his own rather than do a threat and fight his whole party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is our first dungeon. Uh, it is a minor dungeon. We are going to get a major ally and gameplay mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, some XP, and then kind of learn a little bit of world building yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, we don't really know who this temple belonged to or what it is unless we read books and, uh, pay attention. Yeah. When we get to the There's end. a religion check later that will tell you def- definitively, yeah. uh, who this was built to. But as it stands, like as you examine, uh, things at the, uh, around the entrances, uh, this is so old that all of the engravings have, uh, been effaced. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is, uh, it is unclear. Um, I love this encounter. Uh, oh, when yeah. you get in through the front door um, and you have uh, kind of this battlefield that is two chambers with all the enemies that are in the deeper chamber, kind of at the top of some stairs. And they're separated by a door that is closed from one side with a lever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the um, you can it's teaching you something very basic, which is about choke points yeah. uh, here. But they're smart, uh, yeah. at least on tactician. They if I stand um, near the choke point. They will reposition and pepper me with arrows. They are very equipped for ranged yeah. combat. What I had to do uh, to get through this, because again, tough tactician, uh, was have Shadowheart, who is not very useful. Like a low-level cleric is not the most useful yeah, yeah. character class uh, and can't hit for shit. Um, had her stand near the door, basically opening it and closing it mm-hmm. um, to make them approach uh, and then having you know, then drawing them out, attacking them or casting spells on them. Yeah. Um, while, you know, Lazel and Asterion took care of that. My character, uh, my main character, Charnum, ended up going and hiding because he got really hurt. Okay. Uh, which is straight up second level caster. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, fall back into the ranks uh, is yes. what that is. Um, something important about uh, buttons, levers, actuators, things like that. More often than not, they can be um, targeted with ranged attacks. Yes. Um, so, uh, again, I had Shadowheart with this. Uh, you can give her a crossbow, like a hand crossbow, and uh, target that button in order to mm-hmm. open and close it at a distance. So if you're staying, if you're staying out, uh, there's they will still uh, post up at the door and uh, plunk you with arrows and try not to go through. But you can um, uh, manage line of sight to goad them out and then yes. uh, and then separate them. Um, and that is to your advantage because suddenly you're fighting, you know, four on one instead of four on six or seven or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, really, you, really, you know, a gentle way to teach you what you're going to be doing. Yeah, you can also grease up them stairs real good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Grease is incredible in this. Yeah. Um, after you take care of these guys, there is a trap room, like a room uh, filled with traps. Uh, there's a, a sarcophagus in here with a magical item, a sphere, a spear uh, there in the center. But there are all these pressure plates. Um, this is a real test of using your tools. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just send somebody in, they will get killed. Yeah. Uh, it spreads oil. There are uh, things that spread oil on the floor and then fireballs that shoot. Uh, yeah. However, there's a lot of th- different things you can do. There is a button. You can do the turn off the flames. Um, you can send in a mage hand mm-hmm. to uh, to go throw pots on top of the pressure plates to set them off in advance and then shut them off. <laughs> so you're not dealing with that. There's a lot of like cheeky things you can do Yeah. Uh, with this uh, to get that spear. Yeah. Um, so even if you do not uh, pass the check to notice the uh, the spouts for the mm. grease, um, if you see like one of them and see another, you can recognize the pattern of roughly where they're where they're laid out. Um, you know, in between these pillars, and you can go into um, go into turn based mode. Uh, yes. and just avoid that. Uh, that is really important. Like knowing to go into turn-based mode, mode, uh, to get around Outside your, yeah, outside of combat, uh, to get around the, um, uh, you know, uh, to get In, around places where your, uh, companions pathing might accidentally trigger something is really important and can get you through a lot of tough places. And to maximize your, your use, you know, the environment's turn yes. takes a turn during that. You can maximize your movement and be very careful with it. Yes. Um, you want to go through here because there's a secret button that will open a door where you can go deeper into the crypt. Um, this is a room that's full of skeletons uh, mm-hmm. on the ground, suspicious skeletons. Uh, <laughs> and you get to do a cool tactical thing here. Um, I knew they would raise even before I 
you know, the first time I played this. Oh, you do always. Yeah. Yeah. They're skeletons. Like, they're on the ground. <laughs> uh, but you can take their weapons mm-hmm. uh, before they reanimate. Uh, and it works. A lesser game would just rearm them. Yeah. You know, a skeleton it, would just always have a spear or whatever. This meant that the, the casters were still dangerous uh, when they came to life. Uh, but the fighters just had to throw rocks. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, you know, and, and have to close tons of distance. It made this a really easy fight. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're in a if you're in a temple and you see a skeleton holding a weapon, got to grab that bad boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in real life, I'd break all the bones. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But we're gonna learn yeah. in the fiend folia that does not necessarily yeah, magic, to help. Yeah, you. it doesn't take yeah. care of it. You have to scatter them. <laughs> Who has the time? Uh, you can go further. This even has a secret miniature crypt mm-hmm. in it, uh, which looks of intense importance. Yes. And when you open it, uh, a gigantic, you know, ghastly figure. Uh, pops out here. Yeah. Um, for all the world, I thought I was being trolled and we were doing a lich fight. Uh-huh. Uh, lich fights being a huge highlight of Baldur's Gate 2. Right. You know, and I was like, well, shit. Yeah. Uh, but no. Lich uh, fight level is two. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, what the fuck? Like, the, the, it's a troll. It's it's the uh, the mimic chest in Dark Souls 3 in the first uh-huh. level. You yeah. Know? Uh, no, it's not. No, no. Uh, this is a, uh, it's a jerky boy named Withers. Mm-hmm. Uh, appears undead. This is uh, a chest. And, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, <laughs> don't, don't throw the word jerky boy, boy around so easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, but after you fight off the skeletons that wake up Withers, um, he is not displeased. In fact, somebody told him to expect us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he asks a question. He gives us a, a philosophical riddle. Uh, he mm-hmm. says, what is a mortal's life worth? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a dark lord or an edge lord, darker option. That's like, it's worth blood on my steel or some shit. Right. But, uh, I say it depends on the mortal. That's what uh, I there. said too. Even as a good, uh, even as a good character. Um, yeah, you believe just that like, there are evil characters. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that in real life. I, right. you know, my life is worth more than Elon Musk's. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. the, uh, so then he's going to, he's like, we will meet again. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. and he's going to, uh, hang out in our camp. Always oh, at the farthest re- reaches of it. Yep. He's kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, he secluding himself. Out. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he creeps, creep out. He's a Jersey boy. He keeps uh, or jerky boy. He keeps making a, <laughs> and he keeps listening to the Jersey boys soundtrack. Nobody <laughs> fucking likes it. Jukebox musicals in 2023. Jesus Christ. Please. Um, he is a gameplay function. Yeah, primarily there's lore to him and there's conversational flavor, but he is your respec. Uh, he is the way you can, uh, hire hirelings, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. what he is doing when you hire hirelings, he is reaching out to other planes and plucking people who would have died to bring yeah. them into your service. Yeah. Uh, giving you uh, just, there's so much in the, uh, um, in, in the, uh, dot documents and you're going to pass, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a spoiler to say who he is. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, shit. So knowing or, exactly who he is, but we can actually, so let's go ahead and, uh, skip over, you know, mm-hmm. cause a nice, uh, segue to the legends and lore. This will be a little bit briefer of, mm-hmm. of a system, but there are books we can read. Yeah. Here and kind of learn at least, you know, we can get a religion check that tells us whose tomb this is specifically. Yes. You know, or one of the specific statues here, but we get to find uh, some information here. Right. Um, um, so the, um, uh, the statue that is in the main room is to the god Jurgle. Yes. Um, Jurgle, uh, <laughs> because gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because gods can um, uh, pass on their portfolio to different mm-hmm. people, uh, you know, mortals can become gods and gods can, you know, lay down their mantle. Uh, Jurgle used to be responsible for the entire portfolio of things related to death. Yes. Um, and he was that way for a very, very long time. Uh, and then he decided, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. And this is just not, it's not my jam. Seems so like a bummer. He, it really does. You know? Yeah. Um, and just, to, you know, just became cold and indifferent to all of it uh, so much so that he decided, yeah, to, to give this away, handed it away to a bunch of people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, many of whom are going to be important to the story here. Uh, like the dead three, um, Merkel and, um, Bane and, Ball. uh, Ball. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the fact of who this, uh, who this temple used to worship explains a lot of the things that we're going to find, you know, a lot of the books that we're going to find on the floor and in the shelves. 
Yeah. And then there's also going to be flavor books as chaff. Yes. Um, we find a book here uh, called Through the Jungle, which is about the jungles of Cholt. This is mm-hmm. far foreshadowing uh, <laughs> for this game. Yep. Uh, you know, this is just a, a jungle adventure, uh, yeah. but it does come up later. Um, we get the past as well. And we get books that are oral histories of the ball spawn crisis. Yeah. Uh, ball spawn, uh, Jeremy Greer, friend of the show on the show network. Uh, it does sound like we're saying B A L L spawn mm-hmm. um, every time we say ball spawn. <laughs> yes. And there's nothing we can do about that. No. <laughs> um, the ball spawn crisis is Baldur's Gate one and two. Yes. The, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, this is th- th- this has Easter eggs like there you know there's the vampire whose life you fuck up saying yeah, I yeah. really don't want to talk about this. Yes, <laughs> it's great. Um, the other things that we find are about um, death. Right. Um, we find characters uh, records of their death and their name. We find um, a little parable. Um, this is doing double work. It mm-hmm. is uh, this book called The Unclaimed, um, which is about a priestess of Shar. Uh, which we have a priestess of Char with us. She hasn't admitted uh, that yet, but she is. Yeah, she hasn't admitted that, but we do have a priestess. Yeah, I guess that is that is mildly a spoiler, but again. No, no, that's fine. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, Shadowheart is a priestess of Char. Um, and the uh, we learn a little bit about their rituals, this idea of giving up your memory and giving up yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time she gets to the afterlife, her God doesn't claim her. Yeah. Uh, it ends with this like great line, you know, it's one thing to forget and it's another thing to be forgotten. Love that. Yeah, yeah. Really good. You know, and, and also a, a, a thorough enactment of what, of, of what Char stands for. Right. Yes. Being the goddess of loss, right. Yep. Ultimately, you know, you've lost everything, even your affiliation to loss. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, so we know this is a, uh, a, a death, you know, we know it's death related, obviously, mm-hmm. but we know it's related to specifically the gods of death. Right. And we know exactly who, if we pass that religion check. Mm-hmm. You know, and read all the books. So, yes. uh, cool way that, you know, the game doesn't ever straight up tell you. You just have to pay attention to shit you find on the floor. Yes. Let's visit the player's handbook. Let's do, let's talk about Fighter. Um, yeah. uh, the class that, uh, in the edition of D&D that I played the most, um, the third edition, was a little boring. And mostly just a way to get a whole bunch of feats. Uh, yep. But in 4E and then again in 5E, they have done a bunch to give fighters more interesting stuff to do. In a lot of ways, the advancing of editions of Dungeons and Dragons can feel like a quest to make this class interesting. Mm-hmm. In, t- in conflict with the fact that this class is necessary. Right. Right. Like, uh, this is your frontline, you know, tank and warrior. We need somebody who can do that. We need somebody who can use all weapons and shields and armor. Um, that's important. Mm-hmm. That's pretty boring though, because Dungeons and Dragons with a bad DM and rules as written in further back editions, you have more limited actions. Right. Not just, you know, verb actions that the game gives you, but just, you know, imagination space. If you're just doing mm-hmm. a dungeon crawl. Uh, through this, and you have a thief there to do your dungeoneering, you're there to hit stuff. Right. Um, They have done a lot of work in this version of the class to give you more things to do than just hit stuff, or at the very least, hit things in more interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And engage with a little bit more tactical depth than I am taking up space and, you know, maybe drawing, you know, a vague form of aggro and in three and a half and beyond uh, being a source of like a tax of opportunity, right? Yes. Uh, so they give them these benefits. Uh, the a fighter can heal a little bit, self-heal. So mm-hmm. a little bit self-sufficient. Uh, and this makes sense. They're going to be on the front lines. They're going to be away from your healers necessarily. This is outside of potions and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're good for focusing. Uh, fighter. No. They get multiple attacks and an action surge, which allows them to take another action. So they can concentrate down a target. Um, they yeah. get up to six attacks per turn at max level. Uh, my Carlock and my first playthrough, that was the strategy. Uh, yeah. Whoever needed to go, send Carlock at it and it would go. Yes. Uh, in one turn, almost always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is a class where you can kind of uh, specialize a little bit. Strength and dex are both uh, are both viable. So you have strength for uh, your heavy armor and weapons uh, to mm-hmm. do a bunch of damage. Uh, and then dexterity for uh, ranged weapons and also uh, dual wielding. Um, as far as I know, weapon finesse isn't here. So you cannot like straight up. You cannot straight up, like in older editions, make it so that dexterity is your damage modifier. Uh, and here it's dependent on the weapon, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. 
Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I, I, I think Weapon Finesse might be in it. I have not uh, Finesse. Seen yeah, Finesse is a, yeah. uh, a weapon a weapon property. So, yeah, a weapon mm. can have Finesse. Yes. So, yeah, not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's dependent. Uh, you don't choose it. It's just a weapon has Finesse. But if it has Finesse, you, it scales with Dex. Right. So, yeah. um, you just have to choose different weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Strength is really useful for a couple other class features. Um, you can do better pushes and you can do longer jumps. Yeah. Uh, both really useful for positioning and for positioning your opponent. God, once I that that is a huge thing for cracking this combat system in this navigation. Oh if you're not jumping all the time, then you are fucking up. Well, it uses your minor action. I I over jumped for a long time, mm-hmm. but knowing it's part of your jumping and pushing, like you basically you don't want to waste your minor action. No, no. If if you have it, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about jumping and pushing in detail. I think in episode four. Okay, uh, is where I have that. Yeah. Um, constitution is also super important. Um, this gives you extra hit points, of course. And then wisdom is surprisingly important because it's very useful for saving throws. Mm-hmm. And your fighter being such a source of drawing aggro and being a damage sponge and uh, output, you don't want to have charmed or immobilized. No, um, no. Yeah. You don't want so, to have that piece uh, <laughs> turned around and heading back toward your squishy guys. 100%. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you get an extra early feat. Uh, which is really good. Um, we're not going to talk about individual feet choices mm-hmm. here. Um, a good safety pick if you're if you're playing if you're using this uh, podcast to learn is stat points. Yes, um, that is good no matter what build and is a really good first pick choice mm-hmm. for feats. Yeah, uh, get get yourself uh, jumping the uh, uh, jumping the curve. Um, and if you are at a loss for a particular build, tavern brawler is not uh, is not a bad thing to do. Tavern brawler is weirdly overpowered. Yes, uh, it's funny. Tavern brawler is like the meme build. Mm-hmm. online like uh in elden ring they have the insane uh bleed builds mm-hmm. you would do that's what tavern brawler is yeah uh, making a throwing build in this is if you want to break the game um <laughs> 100 like over your knee you can solo the whole game on tactician <laughs> with it with a you know with that um yeah the uh but it's i mean it's even if you're not playing digi- i'm not casting shit it's not general no no all tactics are valid yeah uh, if you if in flavor you want your character to be throwing shit mm-hmm. tavern brawler rocks yeah, it's. I mean, it's also so, like a lot of enemies are going to disarm you. Yes, um, and it is weirdly expensive to pick that weapon back up. So if you want to continue being useful in a fight, uh, in the you know in the thick of it, uh, or at least to clear out enough uh, enough things around you to grab that, then a tavern brawler is a great way to go. Uh, it's a yep. great kind of like a fallback baseline for you. Yep. Uh, we talked about how important it is to keep them online. Um, at level nine, they get a second chance at saving throws. Really big deal. Uh, they they don't get disabled. Uh, but you also get expression uh, in this, and it comes into subclasses that you choose mm-hmm. at level three. Um, these can be roughly divided into kind of being really good at fighting and killing stuff with the champion, um, pl- splashing in a little bit of support and utility with the battle master, or picking mm-hmm. up a couple spells with the Eldritch Knight. Right. Um, all three are viable. This game does a really good job of balancing mm-hmm. uh, that stuff. Like, you can have a preference, but you're not fucking yourself choosing any of those. Choose the flavor you like. Yes. For these. Yeah. Um, Lazelle comes out of the box as a uh, battle master. Uh, she mm-hmm. kind of has that kit. Um, and this gets you a resource that you can spend called superiority dice. Um, and this gives you a bunch of abilities potentially to choose from. At first you get three. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they're going to be uh, doled out again at higher levels, uh, you know, at seven and then at 10. Um, and this is, you, know, you turn into like a Swiss army fighter, right? Like you can disarm, you can rally and buff enemies. Um, it allies. is, uh, yes. You can allies. buff enemies, but don't. Yeah, don't do um, that. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can demoralize enemies. Uh, just gives you a bunch of basically spell-like effects. Um, and it is a real good, my, my, my favorite of these, uh, yeah, just in terms of maximizing turn economy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like the flavor of it mm-hmm. best, you know, uh, the champion, uh, gets improved criticals level three, which means it doubles the crit range. So you mm-hmm. crit on 19 or 20 instead of just uh 20. So 10% um, chance to crit as opposed to yeah, 5%, five percent, yeah. five, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Um, yeah. you're, you're doing a lot of swings, yeah. uh, level seven, you get a lot better at jumping which is really good for positioning and level 10, they get a second fighting style, which allows mm-hmm. them to be a little bit more versatile. Yeah. 
uh, with this. Yeah. Eldritch Knight is really interesting because, you know, prior to this, you know, again, in a third edition, you know, three and a half, um, you, uh, if you wanted to be a spell sword, you had to multi-class. Here, yes. you get you know, access to some utility spells without needing to uh, kind of split your experience pool like that. Yeah. Uh, you get, uh, and it, it's a cool, it's, it's just a splash. Yeah. You know, um, they cast off of intelligence, but fight off of their primary stat. They still need wisdom and constitution. For me, this makes the stat spread a little bit awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, they do get an ability called bonded weapon, which means they can't be disarmed and their weapon will return to their hand if they throw it. Mm-hmm. So again, go to that cat tavern brawler uh, yeah. meme build. You can throw the heaviest things in the game uh, and still just have them come back, you know, like a boomerang. <laughs> yep. um, level seven lets you use a cantrip and an attack uh, in one round. So you can mm-hmm. get basically two actions as long as one of them is a cantrip. Uh, level 10, uh, you get uh, to debuff spell saves mm-hmm. to the enemy. You debuff enemies. Um, but this to me seems less interesting and worse flavor than a fighter mage. I'm sure yeah. it can be really useful, but they mm-hmm. all can. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it just doesn't, you know, if, if it sounds cool to you, that's, you know, judgment. But this is the least cool sounding one to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, it's obvious to offer this just like it's obvious to offer Arcane Trickster. On, yeah. um, on the rogue, right? Uh, but uh, it feels like it is borrowing a little bit from another class as opposed to making this more of a fighter class. Yeah, like more of a unique option, yeah. you know? And one of the things about this game and one of the things on, on the podcast that I really want to focus on is like, what's cool? Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, you know, my favorite thing about Baldur's Gate 3 is that you're constantly doing cool shit and constantly be given choices between two cool things and you want both of them. Yeah. You know, um, this is a good class for multi-classing. We talked about how we're both not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a really popular option for that because you get your abilities, most of those, uh, subclass abilities at level three and then an extra attack at level five. Yeah. So if you can stomach only being level seven in your primary class, you can double your attacks by multi-classing into fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about what the fighter does for your party, you know, see above. Right. Yes. They're there to kill stuff um, and to help others kill stuff in very effective ways. Yeah. Um, they can uh, concentrate on damage. They can do cleave as well to clear rabble, depending on the weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a big thing about this is just being able to use every weapon and armor. Yeah. Um, there's a huge variety of special av- abilities on weapons and armor in this. And having a Swiss Army character that can do all of them is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you don't like the flavor or the, the damage spread of a weapon, but it has an effect. That is really useful. Yeah. Uh, your fighter can use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it feel, feels relatively necessary to have a fighter type to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's briefly talk about skeletons. Let's do it. Uh, here in the Fiend Folio, uh, you know skeletons. They're, yeah. they're, they're, if, you, if you need a body, that's half of a body. It's there for you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the thing about skeletons, other than the fact that they're sick. Love skeletons. Uh, yes. Oh my God. Do we love skeletons? <laughs> uh, skeletons in Dungeons and Dragons. The cool thing about them is there are a bunch of different kinds. Mm-hmm. So there's like fire skeletons, you know, <laughs> uh, the blazing bones, uh, and then the burn bones. So even more mm-hmm. burnt bones. Yep. Um, and then all kinds of animals, skeletal fucking dragons. Yeah, shit like and that. Anything could be skeletified. We have skeletons. We do. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we talked about how scattering their, breaking their bones wouldn't make a difference. Um, interesting uh, kind of shift in world, right? So Divinity Original Sin 2 famously has uh, a really memorable encounter where your skeleton PC, your SPC, uh, talks to another skeleton in a philosophical battle to the death. Right. And the way you can, one way you can win this is that you... Uh, start challenging the uh, ontology of the skeleton. Mm-hmm. Like, how are we speaking without lungs? Mm-hmm. You know, and then the skeleton <laughs> just blue screens and eventually they die. Yeah. Uh, here they explain that. Uh, the reason mm-hmm. they can do that is there's just like a magic aura holding them together. Yes. Uh, and that allows them not only to, you know, hold their bones together and, and take the place of ligament, but provides things like that. Those ineffables. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the 5e monster manual, uh, mm-hmm. is very funny because a great portion of the entry, uh, talks about, uh, exactly how dumb they are, but like not too dumb. 
Yes. Uh, so like, real tunes it, is the driving cat shit. <laughs> <laughs> they can drive, but they're not good at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, uh, just uh, lacking self-preservation without being outright suicidal. Yeah. Um, and then Same. also just the you know the, the fact that a skeleton uh, without an immediate master still has an a, a, an abhorrence for all life and will attempt to kill it. Yeah, they're they're jealous. Mm-hmm. You know, of course they are. Um, yeah. If you look on the Forgotten Realms wiki. There's a great uh, list here that says other varieties, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of great words. <laughs> like, I'm not going to read all this, but if you wanted to, it's like Athat yeah. Skeleton, Blazing Skeleton, Bloody Bones, Bone Charred Skeleton, Bone Wretch Skeleton, Deathkin Skeleton, Deefling Skeleton, Defiling <laughs> Skeleton, Dread, Dry Bones, Frost Skeleton, Gem Eyes, Insectoid, Lightning Skeleton. Like, I wish this went on forever. Oh, yeah. There's a thing <laughs> called a Scleros. Mm-hmm. Get in my fucking veins, Scleros. God, man. I just want to be Christopher Guest character in Best in Show, but listing off skeleton. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, like re- reanimate Fred Willard. Get the Fred Willard skeleton to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, reanimate Fred Willard regardless. Well, yeah, we need him more than I want the undead now. servant, Fred Willard, dead Willard, <laughs> to, uh, to, to show up and make me laugh. Um, the way skeletons come about uh, is that spells animate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, necromancers, yep. you can play this game and get a varietal of skeletons for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they also can just spontaneously rise if an area is saturated with evil or necromatic magic. Yes. Um, yeah. The skeletons that we fought in this thing could be either or. Like mm-hmm. th- those might have been explicit tomb guardians. It'd make a lot of sense. But we also know that tomb is so old, it could also be ambient yeah. skeletal power. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they rise specifically when we open that door does make it seem like those scribes yeah, uh, locked true. themselves in uh, in yeah. order to uh, protect whatever was inside. True. Yeah. Uh, let's do a little sage advice. Let's do. Let's talk about getting the party going. Yeah. So you've decided to gather your party before venturing forth. <laughs> um, this opening area, you can get a party together. You might have switched characters out with later characters we're going to run into, mm-hmm. um, but you do want to put together a full party of temporary friends. Right. The game is balanced for such a thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everybody that you find here, regardless of what you your you know main player character avatar is, uh, is going to be uh, uh, going to be balanced. You're going to have a thief who can do dungeoneering stuff. You're going to have a caster. You're going to have a fighter, etc. Mm-hmm. This is the order they give them to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you meet uh, Lazel and Shadowheart, no matter what. Uh, you can find um, a thief, like shortly after that. We find Will, we find Gale. They're giving you a balanced party right from the start. Right. Um, and the reason why this is useful is that uh, even though Baldur's Gate 3 on normal and story uh, becomes very forgiving mm-hmm. uh, in this, the difficulty is going to be a lot higher with a poorly balanced party. Right. Um, I'm sure that people will eventually do Final Fantasy Tactics style all wizard challenges mm-hmm. in this. Um, and people have done solo runs through through the hard modes of this, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to fuck with that. We're trying to speak to the the average player. Right. This game is too long to assume people are going to be that, doing that many playthroughs of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, and it's pretty clear why you want to have a balanced why you want to have a balanced party. You want to be able to um, handle multiple different situations. Yeah. Uh, them giving you a fighter. Very useful. We talked about that at length um, with Lazel there mm-hmm. or with your, your player character. Shadowheart uh, is a cleric. She's the worst subtype of cleric. Yeah. But a cleric is very useful. Um, they can, uh, she can heal and she's a backup fighter. Right. And both are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you early on, early clerics and casters in Dungeons and Dragons are not going to be able to cast good spells every turn. You will have cantrips that you can do, but uh, you're going to run out of juice. Mm-hmm. And having something else to do is really good. Yeah. Uh, eventually, you will just have an, a huge toolbox. Um, but right now, you want to be able to do that. You also want to be able to attack and be durable. Uh, she mm-hmm. can wear medium armor. Um, you can, you know, I used her as that doorman. So she was yeah. taking attacks when she opened the door. She could handle mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My shadow heart uh, very early on is my uh, primary thrower. Mm-hmm. Of, of things of grenades uh you know thrower and buffer uh kind of person um yes. and that can continue because weirdly in D, clerics are not necessarily um you know fulfilling the role of like a white mage in a final yes. fantasy party it's very different than white mage yeah yeah um it, it's not very analogous yeah. um you want to have a healer 
you know, you want to have white mage functionality generally, mm-hmm. but it's not as mandatory as you might think. And this is also something when we talk about the additions of Dungeons and Dragons being seen as a quest to make a class more useful. Mm-hmm. This is also something that yeah. uh, 5e has made big strides in. Yeah. Um, you do want to be able to heal. Healing from a distance is really great. But health potions in this are very generous. Uh, you can craft them. We'll talk about crafting in detail at some point. Uh, fighters can heal themselves. You can throw potions mm-hmm. at people. Um, you want to be able to heal, uh, but a cleric mainly needs the unique thing is to be able to do supports and buffs. Yeah. Um, a cleric class in this, you know, in terms of your party. So you have your fighter, which we talked about in the above thing. A cleric is you want a support unit. Mm-hmm. We can include healing in that, but that can be a druid. That can even be some kinds of like multi-class sorcerers mm-hmm. and stuff. Somebody who is buffing, debuffing enemies. Yes. Uh, there and yeah. uh, helping out your buddies. Yeah. And clerics also get, you know, you get hold person, you get uh, command, uh, yes. really useful stuff. There's a lot of overlap uh, with, with just kind of crowd control as well. Yeah. You know, uh, we talked about dungeoneering a little bit. You need somebody who can pick locks. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually you can get around this with knock spells and scrolls and stuff, but I can't imagine uh, playing that way. That'd be very annoying. Mm-hmm. But again, 5e's innovations of making characters have more dimensions, as opposed to just being a walking lock pick, uh, rogues in Baldur's Gate 3 and 5e are big multitaskers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do a lot. Yeah. Um, really, really good at DPS. Uh, through backstabbing uh, mm-hmm. and range. They're really good archers. And yeah. bards, the other rogue, rogue classes, are fucking great. Yeah. Uh, bards are bards overpowered. I played a bard in my first playthrough, and they're ludicrous. <laughs> um, they can do everything you need to have done, basically. Nice. Yeah. Uh, if you choose the right subclass, they can heal. They have, like, healing words. You can do emergency heals. Like, there's nothing they can't do. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Uh, it's worth noting for backstabbing, like facing doesn't necessarily matter very much in this uh, tactical mm-hmm. engine. You know, when we talk about this all. being, yeah, yeah it, it just, it, it doesn't. So you don't need to position your rogue, um, you know, behind somebody to get that uh, extra damage to get the critical hit or whatever. You have to have advantage. Yes, you have to have advantage, uh, which can, you know, it, it'll just be enough if that, um, if, if the enemy that you're attacking is threatened and you are not. Yes. Yeah. You know, your buddy distracts them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and they get a lot of uh, things to like turn invisible and such yeah. and hide. Um, the last role that we need to talk about is crowd control specifically. Um, a lot of times this is a caster, you know, uh, and you're going to use this. They're going to nuke things down and do AOE. Um, but in Baldur's Gate 3, you're almost always outnumbered mm-hmm. and very few things are going to go down to a fireball. Like every once in a while, you can like cast a fireball and take out a bunch of goblins. But for the most part, things are going to take multiple turn actions. Mm-hmm. So a thing a caster... Uh, can do or a crowd control of some type is to basically take big encounters and turn them into several smaller encounters. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're fighting some people and uh, they have reinforcements coming, they call for help. You can cast web on a choke point and delay them. Basically turn one fight into two. See earlier in the episode when I talked about buttering up that's them stairs. Yes. Uh, Grease is incredible. Uh, yeah. in this. Um, this whole person can do this as well. You know, we talked about clerics having this. This is a function that you can split over multiple people, but you want it regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you you can finish the food on your plate and then get seconds rather than having somebody, <laughs> you know, you like donuts, do you? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you know, people coming at you from every direction. You're shaping the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. Um, the advantage of using a sorcerer, wizard, or warlock for this as opposed to a druid or cleric who can both mm-hmm. do it is that eventually you will get really high DPS yeah. at range. Um, you have fighters for really high DPS uh, close up and also at range, you know, through mm-hmm. throwing and, and archery. But uh, if you want to have different damage types, you get a variety of things. It's more like a, 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 a wide array of options mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And right here in the opening area, you get enough to fulfill these different roles. You get enough to, uh, at the very least have a chance um, to do the things that are required of you uh, in these scenarios. Yeah. The game wants this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first four people you run to, again, fighting type, support type, lockpicking type, and crowd control type mm-hmm. Pokemons right away. Uh, yeah. The game's very intentional about this. Yeah. Um, we don't ha- you don't have to play that way. Nope. You know, we, we, we talked about that. Uh, the game is more forgiving than it seems. You can respec uh, and you can do whatever works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the triumphs of fifth edition D and D 
not in, in the tabletop space, but compared to old editions of D&D, is making that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's finish up uh, with Find Familiar. Or, no, yeah, uh, let's, yeah. you know, let's do Find Familiar and then finish up with the forum. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, fine, there's not very many animals. The animals are going to get great. But mm-hmm. eventually, uh, right now, there's just a boar uh, that Asterion, when we run into him, he said, hey, there's a boar over that corner. I'm hiding from him and then uh, ambushes you. Uh, this boar, because we're magical angel babies, we can talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can calm him down. Uh, enough mm-hmm. to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to talk, but it just very distrustful of humans because of what Asterion has been doing or just yeah. dis- you know, distrustful of humanoids. Let's say. Yeah. yeah. In general, probably because they're also food. Well, yes. Um, you have to pass yeah. a nature check to calm him down. Uh, if you do this, Shadowheart will like it despite being a hard ass, uh, Shadowheart mm-hmm. likes animals. I uh, yep. need a little bit of her personality <laughs> through the, the system. Whole boy, not, not oh, yeah. wolves. Does not like wolves. <laughs> Uh, funny that Brayton had her in his party and was like, I found that out later and had to apologize for all the times I'd turned into wolves uh, in front of her. Um, mechanically, all my fears. It's, it's real great. Um, mechanically, uh, the best thing to do is kill this for camp supplies. Yeah. If that, if you don't like that, you can knock it out and take its camp supplies, <laughs> including its head. Um, and then, <laughs> I think they'll probably That's pass fine. it out at some point. Yeah. Um, but just going to borrow funny. this for a little bit. <laughs> uh, my rude awakening that I had is that camp supply requirements are doubled. Mm-hmm. On tactician, you need eighty. Holy shit! Uh, really? Points. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, uh, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, so, half as half as many long rests. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so I I always had enough of those before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to experiencing some privation in that because it's going up from zero. Yeah. You know, but uh, I get I enjoyed killing this boar and yeah. eating it because. At the end of the day, regardless of whether it can talk, it's a boar. Yeah. Play, playing it like Fallout 4 on survival mode. You're scanning yes. the environment for sausages. Exactly. Sausage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I roll at 11 or above with Hysterion. Um, this is not the same boar that we find drained of all its blood later. Um, people think that, but if you kill this boar, that boar still shows up. Mm. Um, there's a there's a boar with a scene with a star young. Yeah. Uh, and find a little bit of trivia. Uh, it's voiced by Theo Solomon, who is the voice yeah. actor for Will. Get, uh, get, you just get, get folks doing double duty. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. And, and it's a fine, uh, performance. Yeah. Scared uh, little, scared little friend. Little Bubba. Yeah. yeah. I didn't feel good killing him. And the next episode, uh, or the episode of that is when my darker decides he doesn't kill animals. <laughs> uh, Gary can't handle that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's too much. Like I'll kill this for food, but I'm not just going to like indiscriminately curb stomp squirrels. Yeah. No. Uh, real quick letter from the forum. I mentioned a uh, friend of the show and other podcasts, Interparty conflict uh, left a message on our uh, Patreon post here. That is the best way mm-hmm. to get uh, four letters and says, just want to offer up a small correction. If I could, I'm pretty sure that Elminster is not Ed Greenwood's self insert character. According to Greenwood himself, he created Elminster when he was a little kid. Much of the Forgotten Realms uh, was his childhood make-believe that got adapted into D&D. So although they do look alike, uh, that would be more of a matter of him becoming more like Elminster as he aged. So kind of a reverse author insert, if anything. Uh, it, yeah, he, he 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 made the shoe and then grew into it. He, uh, that, it's kind that of is, both. Like you know, it, it's it's interesting. I don't don't. He's dressed up as him at conventions mm-hmm. uh, where he's been in character the entire time. Yeah, I think that I was misusing the word author insert. Yeah, at the time he was created, he certainly was not an author insert. Right. Uh, it is a character he made that he took on qualities of and then role played as, mm-hmm. uh, and pretends to be and pretends to have dinner with. Yes, and stuff. So, uh, bad use of author insert mm-hmm. uh, on my part. Yeah, but uh, no. but good correction. Uh, yeah, the, the, the correction. that that makes uh, uh, chronological sense. Yeah, uh, time work. Time works mm-hmm. in that version of it, <laughs> as opposed to my version. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Real Itch Hours. Thank you. What um, they, uh, this is our last. Everyone let's, episode. L- let's uh, let's make the next one the last because okay. that comes out on New Year's Eve. Uh, oh, okay. We can just say, sure. like, hey, for first month of episodes uh, coming out. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you're if you're hearing this, become a uh, become a backer if you haven't already. Uh, starting in 2024, 
uh, we've got uh, uh, this is going to be going to be a premium show. Um, and so if you enjoy it, you can do that. You can also leave a rating or review. People have already done that and it's gotten us up on the charts, uh, on iTunes and we appreciate it. Go and keep the, uh, keep the pressure on, make make the world know. Yes. Uh, it, it matters. Um, we, uh, we really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're already a patron, we really appreciate you keep an eye out in the future. And again, uh, write in those letters, everything. Um, we want to thank uh, our artist Jaden Dale, and mm-hmm. thank our composer and producer Gwen Static. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check out our other shows. If you go to duckfeed.tv, we have tons of other shows. Mm-hmm. Talking about games, media, um, just way too many shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that uh, that is it. Think so. Anything else? No. Uh, no sign off yet. I'll come organically. Don't it force will. it. Yeah. So. Listen to whatever's coming up next. We present it. Bye. Yes. Bye.